Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here, joined by Scott Chasen for some relatively breaking news this evening. KU has come out with its response to the notice of allegations from the NCAA. Um, Not necessarily a surprise in terms of date. Uh, Today was the final day Kansas had to respond to the allegations. Um, And Scott, some some big news here for KU. Welcome in. It's been a minute since we've had you on the podcast, but um, just some general thoughts on what you think this means for KU. Uh, well, I'll tell you what this thing's for, uh, means for me. It's not good for my long-term health. Uh, I just tried to make coffee in my apartment for the first time in, uh, well, I can tell you more than a year because uh, I found out after trying the coffee that it expired in uh, July of 2019. So before <laughs> Kansas was actually issued the notice of allegations. Uh, so that's pretty disgusting. Um, and uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll be around uh, to talk about this more. But, uh, you know, first of all, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the big picture response nationally uh, from Kansas's response to the notice of allegation. Uh, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, my own reactions, what other media uh, are thinking in. Uh, I think KU made some compelling arguments. I also think there are some arguments that, uh, you know, if I were deciding on it, I'd have a hard time buying. But uh, look, there's a a lot of news that came out. And and yeah, it was expected. I don't know if we were expecting 300 pages, but no. um, And I should say at this point, neither one of us have read every single page, but I've read I've read portions of each sections. I've probably read over 100 pages. I have read uh, over 100 pages total. And uh, this is not to inform you on every single detail of what's in there, but just to give you an overview of of what we can offer uh, on this situation, how we can uh, kind of help explain this in a very uh, bite-sized way, because most of you are probably not going to read 300 pages uh, of legal documents. No, not at all. And I guess probably should start off just in general uh, talking about kind of the basis of KU's rebuttal. We'll get into some of the nitty-gritty details um, some of the interesting arguments that KU did try to make that maybe were more compelling than others. But just, Scott, in general, what were some of the big picture kind of takeaways you had with the with uh, KU's rebuttal here? What were they kind of trying to say uh, and improve here? Yeah, well, uh, KU at its crux really had four arguments, and, and you could say a fifth if you want to count football, but they're actually not refuting, at least to what I understand, uh, any of the football uh, allegations and in fact they said hey some of these or maybe all of these were were kind of self-reported uh, so uh, the level two violations under David Beatty uh, the defense is basically yeah hey these were under a previous regime uh, the level three violations were with less miles uh, you know having extra coaches on the field they said hey you know we dealt with this wasn't a big competitive advantage and uh, now we have non-coaching staff members wear a different color shirt. Uh, you know, so that it's identified, everyone knows what's going on, uh, and and you kind of move on. But I would say the big four points, and and it's kind of outlined in their overview, they divide it up into a few sections. Uh, The first is that Larry Brown, uh, or any former coach, is not a, quote, representative for life uh, of a university. Uh, So that that basically means there's a lot of talk about maybe Larry Brown acting as a, a booster of the program. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, as as it's mentioned in there, uh, Larry Larry Brown was a former coach a long time ago. You know, obviously he 
uh, ended his tenure in the 80s uh, at Kansas. And yeah, I mean, he's shown up around uh, when the Final Four he showed up or, you know, yep. he's been in contact with KU's coaches, but uh, that doesn't mean uh, he's a representative of the university. And if he is, then the NCAA is setting that precedent. Uh, number two would probably be that, uh, you know, Adidas as a uh, kind of a similar thing. Are, are Adidas reps boosters? What is their relationship with the university? And again, Kansas arguing, hey, these guys aren't boosters. Uh, there are different definitions for a booster. Uh, they're individuals, quote, who buy season tickets to basketball games or donate tangible benefits. Uh, they are, Again, this is a quote. They are not unaffiliated third-party representatives of a corporate apparel company under contract with the university. Uh and then the kind of final two pieces are one that, you know, compliance does its job and, and KU has done its job. And then also uh, that Bill Self uh, has not only fostered an environment of compliance, but also that uh, he, he didn't necessarily, he wouldn't have been in a position to know what people outside of the program, which is what they're arguing uh, Adidas folks are, uh, were doing. So I, I would say having read a lot of this at the crux of Kansas's argument is the idea that. Adidas is not a the members of Adidas are not boosters and thus they don't fall into those same rules. Now I think as we'll probably talk about you get into some interesting hypotheticals with that, but that's the crux of KU's argument is hey, hold on a sec. These guys have testified that they did these things, you know, trying to hide this from Kansas's staff. So it's hard to come back and then say, well Kansas should have known they were, you know, members of the program when maybe they weren't. Totally. And I think that that is something that is, to me, the most fascinating thing with KU's argument is the way that they described uh, TJ Gasnola uh, in the Adidas representatives. Because if we think back to when Silvio DeSosa was trying to be reinstated, uh, if I'm not mistaken, KU, uh, in an attempt to get Silvio reinstated, said and agreed upon some a basis of facts that said that Gasnola was a booster. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, that means then that if he is doing something, it's in the interest of the university. So I find that that's very interesting now that all of a sudden KU is coming out and saying, well, no, Gasnol is actually not a part of the university. So I, that part legally, I wonder if we do end up getting to a where it goes to court. I, that, I wonder if that's one of those arguments that maybe doesn't necessarily have some sturdy ground uh, that KU is built on there. Yeah, and, and you go back to that. You know, at the time, Jeff Long said that KU declared Silvio de Sosa as a booster only for the purposes of reinstatement, only as a hypothetical. TJ Gasnol, uh, what did I say? Sorry. Silvio. Silvio, yeah. No, Silvio is a member of the program, obviously. So uh, at the time, he said, again, as a hypothetical only for the purposes of reinstatement. Now, the NCAA, in, def- in suspending Silvio de Sosa at the time, two years, it was since removed to one year, agreed and said, yep. TJ Gasanola is a booster of this program. Uh, and, and again, now, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the NCAA takes that. You know, we don't, we aren't inside their head. So, you know, whatever committee rules on this, whatever appeal it goes to and on and on and on, you're right. We don't know how they're going to look at that and how they're going to treat it. So I, I think you've seen a lot of people on one side say, well, they should have never said this. It endangered them. And then you, you have people on the other side saying, well, hey, it was only a hypothetical X, Y, and Z. Kind of like you mentioned, there's a lot of this to play out, uh, and we don't necessarily know how it's going to play out. But it, it, there is some optics to it when, in one situation, you are declaring someone a booster for purposes of getting a player reinstated, and then on the other side you're saying, hold on, 
you know, they're, these guys are not boosters, and that destroys their whole argument. So uh, I think there is – it's a little bit on both sides, and then also part of KU's argument with regard to the booster thing is saying, hey, if you're going to consider these guys boosters, then they need to be boosters for every program in America, you know, respective, you know, apparel companies. Um, and it, it's it, KU's argument is a lot of that, you know, Hey, you could be setting a precedent that's going to change definitely. the landscape of sports. So I, I think that's something you probably have to look at too. Yeah, definitely. I think that that is one of the big aspects of KU's argument is saying like, Hey, like if you guys are going to go forward with this and say that boosters and all of their roles are now defined, then you have to go through from here on out and rule everything the same exact way or else it's just going to be more and more legal trouble. So I think that that's even more interesting, more of the outside ramifications too of what ends up happening here because it's bigger ramifications than just Kansas because you think about, um, and we'll get to some of the specific people later, but just bigger programs in the country and what would happen in terms of compliance you know, stemming from this. So there's definitely a lot more here than even affects Kansas as well. Yeah, and, and let's stick on the topic of Adidas right now just because, you know, there's a portion that's mentioned in there. Uh, a big part of it is, hey, what is Adidas – who is Adidas loyalty to? Is it to Kansas? Is it to Adidas? And I think you see the argument made time and time again, in particular with uh, DeAndre Ayton and then another un- unnamed student athlete. Some of the circumstances kind of matched up. Uh, you know, maybe with Sheck Diallo, but it, it was kind of hard to tell. Uh, it outlines a situation where uh, basically going into the NCAA tournament or, or in March, you know, there was kind of, you know, an alleged agreement of some kind. And, you know, you have Kansas saying, well, hey, why, you know, this guy was going pro. He wasn't even playing in the NCAA tournament. Why would we want that guy to get money to not come back? You know, so basically making this argument that, Adidas is going to act in Adidas self-interest. And now a lot of time Adidas's self-interest is going to align with Kansas self-interest. And if you acknowledge like Kansas did, that there were probably some wrongdoing done by Adidas, uh, you know, uh, take, you know, DeAndre Ayton, for example, you know, this was a case where, where Kansas is basically saying, Hey, of course, Adidas wants him to go to an Adidas school. Adidas wants to sign him as an Adidas player. Exactly. Uh, and, and and conversely, you know, he ends up going to a Nike school. He ends up signing with Puma. And then there's that comment made by TJ Gasanola to self something to the effect of like uh, that he'd never let self down except with DeAndre, LOL. And, uh, you know, it gets bogged down in the legal talk. But KU's argument to that is uh, one that self doesn't respond and that it's extremely unsolicited, uh, that comment. Uh, but also the idea that, you know, he's saying that in terms of, if he signs with Adidas or if he accepts some kind of a payment for Adidas or whatever, uh, illegal or not, that's good for Adidas because Adidas has the chance, you know, other than obviously eventually what we learned, breaking laws and people getting arrested. But um, because then he's going to go presumably agree to be with Adidas on the back end and develop that relationship. And so I think KU's part of the argument is to say, you know, what his misguided comment was, uh, TJ Gasanola's misguided comment was saying, was that, you know, you know, by saying I let you down was more saying like, you know, I wish he would have signed with Adidas and thus, you know, he would have gone to Kansas. And so I think Kansas's, you know, argument to that is, hey, you know, these guys have said we weren't aware of the stuff they were doing. They went out of their way to conceal the stuff they were doing. 
Uh, and also there is some self-interest, but Adidas still acts in the interest of Adidas. So uh, again, there, there's no complete answer to this because I think the NCAA has got 60 days to respond to this. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to get an answer to this in a couple months, but uh, at least in the meantime, that's kind of the case of DeAndre Ayton, at least, and the case that KU is arguing with Adidas. Definitely, and DeAndre Ayton is one of the uh, several names that have been linked with the, uh, KU, and we'll move on to the next one that's maybe got a lot more notoriety uh, nationally over DeAndre Ayton. It'd be Zion Williamson, who, of course, was recruited by Kansas and is now uh, – in the NBA after spending a season at Duke, but he's someone that it, when the ori- original uh, notice of allegations came out and the original trials were happening, you know, that was a name that was picking up a lot of traction just because of at that point, how well he was playing uh, at Duke and moving on now into the NBA. So he's a big time name and he did get associated with KU and specifically uh, a KU assistant, Curtis Townsend. Um, so h- how did KU then and Curtis Towns and then go about kind of defending themselves um, because that did kind of feel like uh, in terms of what was presented, uh, not necessarily in court, but what was attempted to be presented in court, uh, kind of felt like a little bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is a conversation between Merrill Code and Curtis Townsend uh, that, you know, KU even notes this was a, quote, unverified transcript uh, that, quote, had already been deemed inadmissible. Uh, by the court, but it was a conversation that uh, apparently happened between Merrill Code and Curtis Townsend. And uh, here's how the Yahoo Sports transcript from the trial went. Uh, You have Code saying, hey, between you and me, you know, he, being Zion Williamson's father, asked about some stuff, you know, and then Merrill Code says, I know what he's asking for. He's asking for opportunities from an occupational perspective. He's asking for cash in pocket, and he's asking for housing for him and his family. According to Yahoo Sports, Townsend, Curtis Townsend, KU assistant, responded, I've got to just try to work uh, to fi- and figure out a way because if that's what it takes to get him here for 10 months, uh, we're going to have to do it some way. The KU uh, response to the notice of allegation has that conversation very similar. Uh, Code went on to claim that Zion Williamson's family wanted housing, uh, a job, and money, uh, and that the KU, you know, uh, Townsend in response stated, if that's what, quote, if that's what it takes to get him there, I got to figure out a way to get him there for 10 months. So a little bit different uh, just in terms of like minor wording, but it's generally the same point. KU's response to this is three-pronged. One saying, hey, this wasn't admissible in court even. So what is the level of, you know, evidence that, that you're looking at here? Two, uh, you have Curtis Townsend basically saying, hey, Code, Merrill Code was not a credible source uh, of the Williamson family recruitment. And he, uh, he kind of highlights that in a couple of ways. One, he says, hey, he's talking about his dad, but anyone who did that recruitment knows the mom uh, was actually the bigger you know, part of that rather than the dad. So that's one of the point. Uh, you know, he also brings up the point that uh, basically people in this recruiting world will talk uh, without knowledge. He says, uh, the response read, excuse me, quote, uh, Code's anecdotal references are the type of comments that are frequently tossed around in the recruiting world by any number of people who, in parentheses, often falsely, end parentheses, uh, claim to know what a, a recruit and his family want in exchange for committing to an institution, but in reality do not represent or speak for the recruit and his family. They use the term PSA, recruits just easier. Um, and so again, they're saying, hey, he may not even, you know, if you're being Curtis Townsend, 
hey, I'm, I'm skeptical of what this guy's saying. I, I don't really think he knows. And the final point that KU uses, KU uses to hammer this home is something fans have talked about. And I, I've seen a lot from fans, which is, uh, and again, I'm quoting from the response, Townsend's credibility assessment was vindicated fully as evidenced by the fact that both uh, Duke University and the NCAA, that's redacted, but context clues let you know what that is, uh, cleared Williamson to compete during the entirety of the men's basketball season, despite having notice of the claim. So again, what they're saying is, hey, you know, we didn't think this was credible and you didn't think this was credible because you investigated it and you didn't do anything with it. So why are we now in trouble for not reporting it if you guys didn't even think, you know, it was a big enough deal? So uh, that's the Zion Williamson uh, question. And uh, there's some skepticism to that because, uh, certainly that conversation doesn't sound great. Uh, you can understand it from, mm-hmm. you know, KU's argument. You can also understand it from the NCAA's argument. And uh, again, you'll you just kind of have to see how it played out because, uh, you know, like KU says in the, in the response, Curtis Townsend did not respond by saying, yes, we're going to pay him. There, you know, he didn't say that. He also didn't say, um, you know, he, he, he left it ambiguous enough, uh, I would say in his response. And, uh, you know, they also cite interviews with Williamson's family that uh, show they, quote, expressly rejected the idea that KU or its coaches had done, said, or suggested anything improper. Uh, so uh, a lot of different sides to look at, um, but that's kind of the Zion Williamson situation and how KU is arguing its way or attempting to to at least argue its way out of it. Well, and on top of Zion now, you also have the the Bill Self argument of this whole thing because he also, in KU, not Bill Self, but KU as a whole, has the lack of institutional control uh, charge against it, which is going to be the stiffest um, and, and most important uh, kind of uh, charge that the NCAA ha- has against Kansas. And so what you have now is Bill Self trying to uh, not necessarily explain, but prove that there is institutional control, that there is compliance. Um, so Scott, then how does Bill Self try and show that? What were some maybe examples of, uh, the ways that he tried to keep KU compliant or try and make sure that things were in order? Well, there was one section that even noted that, uh, assistant coaches would know they would be fired, uh, if they, they broke wrongdoing, at least according to the documentation. And, uh, you know, a big part of this, just going back to Bill Self and the idea of institutional control, uh, is saying, hey, if these guys are not boosters, if they're outside of your program and acting in their own interest, it is not your responsibility uh, to know. And another example that's cited is uh, maybe one of the instances, I believe it was where TJ Gasanola was staying at the Oread, uh, which it says in the response that, uh, you know, hey, he booked this room himself. And again, if he is a uh, you know, an outside part, he's not a member of this program, he's not a booster, then they're saying that's, that's not our responsibility. That, that would be their, their kind of answer to that. And, uh, you know, another thing w- that was talked about, maybe not just by Bill Self, but overall was the idea that a lot of these conversations, whether it's between Curtis Townsend and Larry Brown, uh, whether it's between, you know, Jaron's Howard's name was mentioned, whether it's, you know, talking to an Adidas representative or, you know, Bill Self talking to whoever, that a lot of these, are they are claiming, are kind of typical conversations where information is passed back and forth uh, that are just kind of uh, your run-of-the-mill, you know, I can get some information from you. And I think one of the things it says is like six of the eight things I may hear from you are bogus, but two of those things may help me on the recruiting trail. So I'm going to, you know, entertain these conversations even if 
you know, I'm not asking you to recruit on my behalf. So again, that's Kansas's argument. I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm not saying that's the fact. I'm just saying that's what Kansas is trying to make the argument for. Definitely. And, you know, and now that we have 60 days, basically, for the NCAA to respond, um, once they do respond, that's when we kind of get into the court situation. Uh, is that correct? What kind of would then, in 60 days' time now, what would kind of their response look like and what would be the next steps after that then? You know, I, I really don't know um, because I think a lot of this is unprecedented. There's obviously a path that it's it's supposed to follow. They'll deliver their answer back to KU. You'll get eventually, you know, penalties, whether it's uh, or, uh, you know, assuming, uh, you know, some kind of show cause, uh, something, you know, we don't know at this point. And then there sure. will be the chance for appeals and uh, on and on and on. I, oh, I don't yeah. expect this to be wrapped up until after the season. Obviously, it'll go until it'll be after March Madness. Uh, and, you know, I, I think a lot will come out over the summer. But something tells me we're, we're a ways away from this, this matter being fully resolved. Definitely. And that's what makes this entire thing a little tough to gauge at this point in time, because now we have, you know, the NCAA's original side of things. Um, and now we have KU side of things. So now we kind of get to see um, the two trying to not necessarily pick each other apart, but kind of cross, cross reference now. Um, but Scott, you think we miss anything here uh, in terms of big picture topics? Anything else you want to hit on? Uh, no, there's an infractions panel that I think would step in after 60 days. So just if you wanted the very specific, like, you know, in order what happens, that's that's what's going to come after the NCAA's response. Um, no, I, I mean, I really think that touches on all of it. Uh, just the biggest thing is, you know, Kansas is not fighting any of this with football. They are certainly fighting this with basketball. And, uh, you know, they even run through, you know, they, the NCAA asks for past violations and things. And Kansas says, hey, these happened, you know, more than 30 years ago. And the most recent one was, you know, a decade and a half ago. So, like, these are things that, that you know, shouldn't be taken into account. Uh, it's really interesting to see their arguments on both sides. We'll have a lot of coverage up on Fog.net. We already have a big picture story up just kind of explaining the full situation, what was alleged and how KU responded. And then uh, we also have two stories up, one about Zion Williamson, one about uh, DeAndre Ayton, and just uh, how KU kind of explained some of the more controversial uh, situations that found their way into the NOA. So, uh, if you want the the easy you know response, the quick understanding of the points that's up there. If you want to dive into some of these cases, Zion Williamson, DeAndre Ayton, uh, those cases are certainly up there too. And uh, you know, look, Silvio De Sosa, he's eligible now. So uh, you know, at the Big Twelve tournament, he'll have the chance to to maybe answer a question or two about it. Although he doesn't seem extremely involved, uh, you know, and and there will be a lot of this to come, including maybe even identifying some people in this that we may not even know about yet. Definitely, and I'll be very interested to see what uh, the media stance Bill Self takes now because you think about Big 12 tournament, we're getting into March where now a lot more eyes are going to be you know, trained on KU and the NCAA tournament. So it'll be very interesting to see what kind of the public stance that Bill Self takes going forward. All right, well, that will do it for the podcast today. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Fog.net podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain 97 and Scott on Twitter, at Chase and Scott. And with that said, we will talk to you next week before the Big 12 tournament.